0: Most important is who do I want to reach, not where do I want to spend the money. And that's a big differentiator. And technology allows us to do audience planning now. In the past, it wasn't. Now we can do refined targeting. That's what audience planning is, being smart about how you spend your dollars.
1: Welcome back to Unscheduled Maintenance. I'm your host, Steve Gady. Automotive advertisers will spend billions of dollars on digital advertising this year with the goal of reaching in-market car shoppers. And while many vendors promise big data and precision targeting, not all in-market audiences are equal, and this can lead to wasted ad dollars. But it doesn't have to be that way. We are lucky to have our in-house expert in data and audiences joining us today to shed some light on how dealers can avoid common pitfalls with audience targeting and get their message in front of real shoppers. Our guest today, Chris Marshall, is vice president of data strategy and fuel operations at CARS and the architect behind fuel audience targeting. Chris Welcome to unscheduled maintenance.
0: Thanks a lot, here, Steven. and I appreciate you uh, spending the time as well to do this podcast. Yeah, I've been very fortunate. Entered the automotive industry when digital marketing, or it was called then, it was called internet marketing, was just taking off. This was even before the concept of social marketing existed, mm-hmm. and I was working for an automaker at that time. And really, the website, the functionality, was pretty much just a brochure fulfillment tool. So we've come a long way. But think about it; like, at first, started, we were called it was the internet, and then it was. Called called e-commerce and then it became digital. And now everything's kind of rolled into data. It's really, it's all about the data and intelligent use of the data for the dealers, you know, to help them make more smart, intelligent decisions on their marketing spend and how to use it intelligently. So actually before Dean Evans asked me to join CARS, I headed up the automotive retail efforts for Oracle Data Cloud. And we were the primary distributors of, uh, or the marketplace for all different types of audience data across all media platforms, including Facebook. And what's nice about that is I was actually able to see how granular and selective targeting could be. Right, and as opposed to the spray and pray concepts that everything everything had done in the past. And we actually at Oracle had line of sight to what audiences worked well and the audiences that didn't work well. But again, you had to purchase it by syndicate. You had to purchase everything. Whereas what was nice is I was able to get line of sight to see that the best performance audience by a dealership is the dealership's first party data, people visiting that website. And we would do bake-offs and have like buy-through rate studies. The second best quality data after the dealer's first party data were data from the endemic sites, including, you know, cars.com and all the other automotive endemic sites. Those are the marketplaces. But those were the best performing data. But, you know, the thing is that until cars.com made their data available through fuel, it wasn't available in the marketplace. In Oracle, we tried to get them. We tried to have the cars.com data part of our marketplace when I was at Oracle. So when Dean asked me to join his effort with fuel, oh, hell yeah, I jumped
1: all over it. Love it. Well, I mean, coming from Oracle, I think they know a little bit about data, right? (laughs) So just a bit, just a bit. Well, I mean, we're glad that you've been able to join our team and apply a lot of that knowledge, that approach uh, to, you know, things that we've been able to do here at Cars, and you've really been able to elevate the fuel game Uh, in the industry, Um, you know, it's been, you know, data, as you mentioned, has been a big buzzword over the last couple of years, first party versus third party. We're going to get into that in a little bit here. But before we get there, some of our listeners may not have heard of fuel yet. Talk a little bit about what fuel is.
0: Fuel is actually in in its basic form. It's putting a digital video. So we're not talking about display or click or anything like that, but it's putting a digital video in front of an in-market shopper. and as technology you know has advanced you know right now it's you know in the form of OTT content also called streaming media it's social efforts but anything it's it's pre-roll anything that you know, where people are consuming digital video it's saying okay this is definitely, you know, it's sight, sound, motion, emotion in the form of a video display ad. And then saying, okay, let's not put that in front of everyone, you know, by a population based on you know, demographics or an audience based on demographics. It fuels saying, let's put that in front of only 100% in-market shoppers and no peripheral, no one else that might be in market. Or we're only gonna put in front of people that have given a strong signal that they're in market to purchase a car right now. And our audience is basically coming from people who visited cars.com. So we are basically retargeting cars.com first party data through fuel to the dealerships in their specific areas and zip codes that they own. So it's basically putting digital uh, video in front of only in-market shoppers.
1: So it's kind of getting away from that old school grab bag tactic, right? Where we're not really sure what you're paying for, right?
0: Right. We call it spray and pray. We call it carpet bombing, you know? Yeah. And anything demographic targeting is a way of the dodo. Why would you do that? Why would you waste so much money hitting all people or women, 18 to 49? Well, you know what? Only maybe three or 4% of all those women, 18 to 49, are actually in market for a vehicle right now. They're giving strong signals that they're in market for a video. So instead of hitting 100 percent of, you know, of the entire audience demographic, you're actually honing in and saying, I just want to target those people that are given a strong
1: signal that they're in market shopping for a new or used vehicle. Audience purity, right? I mean, being able to draw that line, who's actually in the market versus not. You mentioned demographic planning, right? This is sort of, as you say, the way of the dodo. You've been very public about introducing this concept of media planning versus audience planning. Talk a little bit about what you mean by that. and What's the difference between the two.
0: Well, yeah, and, and thank you it's for bringing that up. Media planning is what we've always existed. We've been media planning for 50 plus years, right? And everyone knows the first question when you do media planning is where am I going to spend my advertising dollars, my precious advertising dollars? Well, where am I going to spend them? That's media planning. Well, we're bringing a whole new concept to light in the automotive retail space called audience planning. So the first question a dealership should ask is not where do I want to spend my media dollars? The first question should be, who do I want to reach? What's the purpose of my campaign? Who is going to buy my product? And then you start with that as your base. That's audience planning. And then you say, okay, where are the sources? I'm not talking media sources. I'm talking data sources to get access to people who are in market given really strong signals now. You start with that as the base. That's your whole premise of campaigns. That's what audience planning is. It's starting with the audience and then deciding what medium to reach them on. But most important, is who do I want to reach? Not where do I want to spend the money? And that's the big difference here. And technology allows us to do audience planning now. In the past, it wasn't. We had the networks, you know, you can reach this target demographic. We know that certain ages have a certain propensity to watch certain shows at this specific time. I mean, thank goodness we don't have to rely on it anymore. Again, it goes back to the spray and pray. Now we can do refined targeting. That's what audience planning is, being smart about how you spend your dollars. Who do you want to reach?
1: Yeah, you think that's a really savvy way to approach it. You mentioned OTT, media. I mean, my goodness, I I just broke down and bought the old HBO Max last night. So I've crossed over. I don't even know how many streaming services I actually have. But because there are a lot of places people can put their brand message, when does media play a role or how does media play a role in the planning of spending those marketing dollars?
0: Absolutely. Media still plays a big part in the plan, the approach. Once you identify who you want to reach and you've identified as your first top priority priority, who do you want to reach as opposed to reaching anyone, um, then you have to decide which media channel has the ability to put the message, the communication in front of that person. That's where the media component comes in. And with fuel, we are media agnostic. I really don't care whether I reach them on social or whether I reach them through OTT content or whether I reach them through a pre-roll. It doesn't matter to me because when a person leaves cars.com, I am then have the ability to follow them. So if they They're viewing video content on OTT, on Amazon, Fire TV, or if they're viewing video content on ESPN.com, or if they're viewing video content on Facebook. Doesn't matter to me. I've set up the fuel structure so that we can follow that person and then put the dealership's ad in front of that person, and the person decides what media, what channel they're going to consume their digital video. I don't make that decision. The person does. So media plays a role because they have to deliver it. When we have really strong relationships with all the media. Platforms, And so the person decides and with our relationships with those platforms, we're talking about the top DSPs, you know, programmatic efforts in addition to social efforts with Facebook. And so I'm agnostic. I don't care, but I have relationships with all of them so I can reach that person after they've left cars.com. That makes perfect sense. So media plays a big role, but I don't determine it. The individual visitor to cars.com determines how we reach them.
1: Well, we always talk about meeting the consumer where they are, right? So we're just putting the message where we know they happen to come looking for for it. So again, just making the right decisions and connecting the dots in a smooth fashion. You know, you mentioned uh, you know, sort of the evolution of e-commerce. Then there was the internet division, you know, and then of course now we've moved into the data era. We've already come out of the era of retargeting, and social has already been in play for a long time. But when we moved to a social platform and we started to get our products and get our customers exposed on social media platforms, that's when we really started to see. See this shift in the conversation about talking about first party versus third party data could you unpack that just a little bit more so that we really are just you know a little bit more clear on what's the difference between first party versus third party data sure
0: yeah I mean there's also the element of second party data thrown in there as well oh we don't
1: care about the second party right we're not thinking about those guys right
0: yeah I mean but <laughs> there but there are different levels and each has their own purpose you're right first party data is data that's accumulated by in this case with automotive retail by the dealership. He accumulates that by people visiting the website. That data, that record, that file is collected. He could also have records in their CRM, also records in the DMS. That's all data records that the dealership owns and the dealership has the ability to uh, retarget, to speak to, and it's, it's their own accumulated data. Third-party data, and that's the case with fuel. We use the cars.com first-party data. It's our efforts to reach out to that person on behalf of the dealer. So we're using our first-party data the same way. And actually we can incorporate the dealer's first-party data into the fuel efforts. Third-party data is, I mean, some of it is, is incredibly, it's, it's great, it works very well. They do have in-market shoppers. Unfortunately, with third-party data, you have to buy everything and Third-party data sources are, you know, these are people that, you know, who knows what their intent was, who knows how they were categorized as in market. Third-party data does a lot of modeling as well, which means they're taking a a seed list of data and then modeling it out. They could be building lookalikes. There's some assumptions being made there, right? Yeah, I say assumptions, I call it more guessing there. When when you have (laughs) lookalikes, you are guessing that, you know what, we see these people as in-market shop. We have our own first-party data, in-market shoppers, our seed data. We put it in Facebook. We put it in Google and we say, all right, let's build some lookalikes off this. And that is, um, boy, that's a great way to spend more money and not really know if you're reaching in-market shoppers (laughs) or not because you're guessing. It's called lookalike because they might be in market, but they look like this person is in market, but the the looks are also based on demographics again, lifestyles, right? Um, Psychographics. That does not mean that that lookalike person is in market for a new or used vehicle. Whereas with fuel, you know, 100%, like you said before, Steve, this is a pure in-market shopper because they gave us a really strong signal that they're in market right now. Lookalikes give zero signal (laughs) if they're in market. Well, they might be in market because they look like someone who gave a signal, but there's absolutely no confirmation that that is the case. And actually tell you the truth, lookalikes do very, very well on uh, looking at digital KPIs because they're very active online or on mobile. But that doesn't mean they buy cars. I have yet to see a good study that shows that lookalike audiences performs better than a
1: first party signal in terms of buying cars. Well, the most pure signal of intent is obviously going to the website to shop for a vehicle. Bingo.
0: Now, the other part, too, we've got to be careful with third-party data or even provided by some of the platforms. A lot of those people, um, they might be a market, but they might have been a market six, seven, eight months ago. So there's the timeliness element, too. So with Cars Fuel, when someone comes to cars, if they're not active on cars for at least a month, they're gone because that means that they took care of whatever issue they had with their car. It was resolved. They're no longer active on cars. They've left. But a lot of the third-party sources, I mean, you really don't know if that person's already bought a car. So there's that component too about, again, not guessing, but you might be reaching people that are irrelevant. But you don't know that using third-party data.
1: This episode might be inspiring you to make some updates to your website design that you'll surely want to show off to an in-market audience. But the term in-market audience is everywhere in automotive marketing. Although not audiences are created equal, many are inflated and some go so far as to flat out misrepresent the audience they're targeting altogether. And there are few things more frustrating than wasting precious ad dollars on audiences that aren't actually in the market to buy a car. Cars is here to help with a 100% free resource you can leverage to to evaluate in-market audience claims as you plan your marketing strategies for 2021. Our new audience guide addresses how bad audience data is eating your advertising budget and provides three steps you can take to maximize ROI with real in-market audiences. Visit growwithcars.com to learn more. Speaking of money spent, this space is becoming very competitive, very tight very quickly. So what are some of the things that dealers should look at when they're evaluating media vendors and they're making these kinds of decisions as where's a smart place for me to spend my money? What are some of the pitfalls and what are the, some of the things they should be watching out when they're evaluating partners to choose from?
0: Well, this exactly goes into why fuel started in the beginning. It was about inefficiency, you know, the money ball and all that, right? And baseball identified all the inefficiencies in how players are being appraised. We pretty much do the same thing uh, with fuel. We We identified that there was so much inefficiency in spending by dealerships um, on cable, on TV, on radio. Anything that was demographically based audience was a waste, especially when COVID hit. You wanna be efficient, smart with your spend. So number one priority, reach only in-market shoppers. Speak only to in-market shoppers. Don't waste your impressions and your money on non-in-market shoppers. It's all about efficiency. And we gave the dealers ability to do that with fuel. So when I would recommend to dealers when they're talking about other audiences and other sources of audiences, and especially like the Comcast and Spectrums come to mind, is ask that rep, you know, I hear you're saying you reach all these in-market shoppers, but can you reach only in-market shoppers? So in this, what you're trying to sell to me, this audience, you say they're in-market shoppers in there, but I want to reach just those individuals that are in market for a car right now. That's what I want to pay for. I don't want to pay for all the peripheral. The dealer needs to be very asked for transparency. Tell me what percent of that composition of audience is truly in-market. And then once they tell you that, say, okay, those are the only ones I to pay for, you know, pretty cut and dry, right? That's what I want, that's what I expect my
1: dollars to go towards,
0: exactly. And then the other thing to be careful about, too, is like you're overspending on Google search. Dean Evans loves talking about this about search being the toll gate because so many people get exposed to the dealership's message, the experience, special offers, that sort of thing, through all sorts of forms of video, and then they naturally go to Google. And then Google charges like anywhere from three dollars to 350, even up towards maybe even like 450 for just that one click to someone that, again, may or may not. Be in market, you know, not all of them are in market, actually, most of them are not. But the dealer is still paying for that, so that's another inefficiency. So, you want to ask the dealer, say, Take a look at your search spend, do you really need to be spending that much? You already won with your brand to get them to come to that element, they're going to go there anyway. So, you might as well take some of those dollars and spend it instead of four dollars and fifty cents on a click through, spend ten cents on a Fuel digital video, which is not just a click, it's sight, sound, motion, emotion. Engagement,
1: true engagement.
0: Yeah, I mean, and you're giving the opportunity to really put your best positive dealership
1: experience through the form of video. So Chris, we've talked about this in the past and you've given a really good example that we like to use when we're trying to explain how Fuel works and why this audience planning is so important.
0: I love this analogy that uh, Terry Reed offers when we're talking with dealerships, really about, it cuts the core of what Fuel is about. So if if you owned a hamburger cart and the livelihood of your family depended on you selling hamburgers on that hamburger cart, right? Would you put that cart on the corner where people just ate? Or would you put that cart on the corner where people are just about to eat lunch? That's the analogy. And obviously with fuel, the translation is put your message in front of people who are hungry. They are signaling that they are in market right now to purchase a newer used vehicle. Don't put in front of people who don't care, but put in front of people who are shopping for a vehicle and are hungry for a
1: vehicle right now put your message where it's going to make the most impact say it to people that are asking to hear
0: it that are about to eat lunch yeah (laughs) as opposed to those who've already eaten
1: i want to give a big thanks to chris marshall for joining us today and explaining the importance of audience planning and first party data to learn more about audience planning and leveraging Cars.com's data to reach a real in-market audience, visit Fuel.Cars. We will be back in two weeks with more Unscheduled Maintenance. Unscheduled Maintenance was created by Alex Vetter and Jake Whitler and is a production of Cars, Inc. And is hosted by me, Steve Gadey. Our senior producer is Evan Sears. Sarah Nicholas is our producer, along with assistant producer Ryan Corgan-Wetzel. Audio mixed by Chris Franzen. Original design and animations for each episode, created by Paul Dolan and Matt Coenia. You can see those and listen to all of our episodes at growwithcars.com slash unscheduled maintenance. Unscheduled maintenance is recorded remotely from our homes. We're looking forward to working in person again when we're able to safely return to our studio. Thanks for listening.